0: So would you listen, please, as I read from the word of the Lord in Isaiah 53. And these are words that were written 600 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender shoot and like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. There was nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief Yet when his life has made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hand. Knowing exactly what he was doing, by his suffering, excuse me, knowing exactly what he's doing, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was accounted among rebels. He bore the sin of many and interceded for rebels. Isn't that incredible? I, I want you to imagine with me this morning that uh, we're going to be on a walk with three others. And this walk originates in Luke 24. It was Sunday morning, three days after Jesus had been unjustly condemned, framed, put on a cruel Roman cross, buried in a rich man's grave, and left for dead. Now, three days later, it's Sunday, and, and two of Jesus' followers are walking on a road to Emmaus. It's seven miles to Jerusalem, and they're walking, and as they're walking, they're, they're stunned, and they're sad, and they, 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 their lives have been just thrown into turmoil. They, don't, they have no idea where to go from here because the one that they thought was the hope, their, their Messiah, is dead. And so they're walking towards Jerusalem. As they're walking, they're talking. And, and I think their talk goes something like this. And one of them, his name is Cleopas. And we'll call the other Dave. So um, none of you feel like I'm targeting you. Um, that's my name. And, and Dave and Cleopas are walking on their way to Jerusalem. And, and they're, this is something, I think, how the conversation goes. It goes like, man, this doesn't make sense. How could could it have gone this way? He was the one, right? Mary told us. Mary, his mother, told us about his miraculous birth when she was a virgin in Bethlehem. That happened, right? Right. The angels announced his birth to shepherds, right? And the shepherds came to the barn where he was born, right? Right. And we did see him raise Lazarus from the dead, right? And and heal, blind Bartimaeus, and give him sight, and raise the little girl from the dead, and, and make lame people to walk, and people who couldn't hear, hear. That wasn't our imagination, right? We saw that, right? Right. And they went on and on, talking about his life, and... And talking about what he did in his words where everybody said, we've never heard anybody speak like this. I mean, we did see. It wasn't our imagination, right? When, when there were 5,000 people and they were hungry and there was no food to feed them. And then Jesus took a little boy's five loaves and two fish and multiplied them so that 5,000 people ate. That happened, Right? In fact, it was so incredible that the crowd wanted to force him to be their king. That wasn't our imagination, right? And it's true, right, that one day when he was meeting with some people and, and some religious leaders were making fun of him, mocking him, accusing him of being illegitimate, that in response to them, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. Calling himself God in the flesh. <clears throat> referring back to Exodus chapter 3, where God said that was his name, I am. We heard that, right? And so confused, they're they're trying to figure out, Why in the world, then, would God let that man die and be buried away in a tomb, forgotten for everybody? And I think as they were continuing to discuss these things, it was at that point that Jesus joined our little walk cleopas and me you can be on that walk and as he joined the walk it says that he joined them but they couldn't recognize him and and as i was thinking about this i thought you know in the same way if he could make a blind man to see he could obviously make seeing people unable to see and so he he hid himself from them and yet as he walked it we find jesus's sense of humor it's great as he joins them and he's walking along with them, he says, man, you guys are really kind of sad Zachs. What's your problem? What's so, what's, what's, what's so serious? And he's playing with them in order to teach them. And they look at him, they stop, and they, they like, this isn't exactly what they said, but they said something like this. They said, are you serious? Were you like born yesterday? Are you the only person in the whole world that doesn't know what has happened these last few days? Do you not get out much? And Jesus kind of innocently says, what are you talking about? And they say, there is this man, Jesus. Oh, okay. Okay. And he was a prophet and he was powerful and he performed miracles and he spoke words and he, he said and he did what no one has ever done before and we were convinced he was the Messiah. But now he's dead. But what is weird is that just this morning some of, some of the women that are with us were at his tomb and they said that it was empty. And that they saw some angels. And the angels said that he was alive. That he had risen from the dead. And we kind of considered them maybe a little crazy. Maybe they were hallucinating. And here we are today. And at that point, Jesus says, he looks at them and he says, you know, I don't think it's the women that are the foolish ones, the silly ones. I think it's you guys. He said, you're the silly ones. He says, why don't you believe what is written in God's word? Why don't you believe what the prophets said about the Messiah? If you read them and believed them, you would know that the Messiah had to go through what he went through these last few days in order to enter his glory. And, and at that point, what Jesus did, starting, it says, with Moses and then the prophets and including Isaiah 53 that I read earlier, it says he explained to them about himself. And I want us to kind of continue that conversation, just looking at Isaiah 53. And I think this is the crux of what Jesus said as he speaks to these guys. He's saying, guys, the problem is, is that you don't understand the plan. You don't believe what is right in front of your very eyes. And so what we're going to look at really just simply two points this morning is the plan that was right before their eyes and it's right before our eyes that tells us the incredible story of Jesus that culminates in Easter. And this is the plan. And I'm, I want to read, just listen again as I read verses 10 through 12 because that's its exactly what it says. Notice it says... It was the Lord's good plan, what, what it says, to crush him and cause him grief. So when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. And I guarantee you, if if... We get this simple plan this morning. If you get it, you will become a part of those descendants. We will be a part of those people who are the Messiah's people whose lives are changed because he came and he went through what is described right here. The two things, number one, God's plan was to crush the Messiah. That's a pretty harsh word, isn't it? I mean, it, it is intentionally a harsh word. And what was so not understandable to, to, to Cleopas and Dave as they were walking with Jesus and, and was so not understandable to so many of his followers as they, as they struggled with his rejection and they struggled with his, his being beat and mocked and put on a cross and shoved in the grave, they didn't understand that. They didn't really, that was part of God's plan. Part of God's plan was to crush the Messiah. And it it tells us three things that are important about that here. Number one, because to be the Messiah, he needed to identify with sinners. You know, this goes way back. In fact, it says it right here. It says, um, he was counted among the rebels, meaning those, another word is transgressors, those who rebelled against God. He was counted as one of those rebels. And it's, that's how Jesus' ministry starts. If, if in Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, as John the Baptist was baptizing people and they came to him to be baptized, it says, repenting of their sins. One of the most incredible passages of scripture that, that supports what this plan is. It says that Jesus also went to be baptized by John. And John said, why are you Wanting to be baptized by me. And it's like he knew who he was. He wasn't a sinner. He was the sinless Son of God. God in the flesh. Born as a babe in Bethlehem. And Jesus makes a profound statement. He says, Permit it. For in this way all righteousness will be fulfilled. What did he mean? What he meant was the first part of God's plan, the crushing of the Messiah, was the, the Messiah identifying with sinners. And so as he stood in line there waiting to be baptized by John, how would people see him? Just like them, a sinner. And so Jesus, the Messiah, walked through life being looked upon as a sinner, number one, in order that number two, as it says here, his life could be made an offering for sin. That's why he came. He came to identify with us in our sinfulness, in our loneliness, in our, our brokenness, in, our, in order that he could be an offering for sin, be crushed as an offering for sin. In Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. And what that simply says is that the wages of sin is death. Because we sin, we must die. And so the crushing, the putting to death of the Messiah was part of God's plan in order to provide life for us. Sin had to be paid for. And so as Jesus hung on the cross and says, it is finished. In reality, literally what he was saying was paid in full. Sin is paid for, completely paid for, in order that you might be freed from the power of sin. And so the crushing of the Messiah, his identifying as a sinner, his offering of self as an offering for our sins so that we might be freed from, forgiven for our sin. How could he do that? It's because what it says right here. Listen. It says, knowing Exactly what he was doing and literally it says by his knowledge but I mean he knew what he was doing nobody was forcing him to do this it wasn't against his will knowing what he was doing my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins you see a sinner couldn't pay for their sins let alone anyone else's sins but as the fulfillment, as the Passover lamb, the, you know, as the Jewish people took the Passover lamb, they would take a lamb without any blemish, without anything wrong with it. And it was to be in their home. And then they were to slaughter that lamb as a, as a picture of the Passover lamb, the Messiah who would come as the perfect, sinless, innocent Son of God. And as the sinless one, bear the sins. Of many. How could he do that? In Second Corinthians 5.21 it says, Because God made him, Jesus who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, the righteous one, we might be, con- be considered righteous, right with God. So the righteous son of God became sin for us, so us unrighteous sinners could become righteous, right with God. And so that was the first part of God's plan. And, and as Jesus walked, and he's walking with Cleopas and, and Dave and explaining to them, I think for the first time their eyes were beginning to be opened what they thought was a horrible thing, What was the end of the road they began to see was a part of God's plan, the crushing of the Messiah. Him being identified as a sinner and an offering for sin was so that he as the righteous one might make them who were unrighteous, righteous through his death on the cross. But then he said, but you know, thankfully that's not the end of it. You know, What you thought the women were hallucinating about or or dreaming about or in reality happened because not only was God's plan to crush the Messiah, but it was God's plan then to honor the Messiah. Notice it says in these verses again, it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. You know, it's it's great because that's that's an opposition. If you remember in verse 8 where it says, unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But it wasn't. Because as he submitted, as he was crushed as he willingly went to the cross as an offering for our sins, the incredible result was as his offering was accepted, as his sacrifice for our sins was accepted, he was the beginning of many descendants. (laughs) Many descendants. He will enjoy a long life. He won't remain dead. And the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Notice in verse 11 it says, When he sees, and dead people don't see, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. With his sacrifice for our sins acceptable, accepted, he's raised from the dead, and those who believe in him, who believe in his death on their behalf, will experience along with him eternal life. Incredible. These verses written hundreds of years before Jesus died. You know, as Jesus finishes walking with these guys, it says they arrive um, uh, to Emmaus, and and Jesus sits down with them, and, and they begin to break bread together, which is what we... Um, Celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion as we break bread and we we remember that Jesus' body as it hung on the cross was broken for us and his blood as it was shed was provided for our salvation. It says as Jesus broke bread with them, their eyes were opened and they realized why their hearts were burning in them as Jesus was walking and talking with them. Because the very one who was giving them this most incredible Bible lesson about the crushing and the honoring of the Messiah, who was their hope, was the very one that was walking and talking with them. And it says he disappeared. Immediately they went back to Jerusalem to where the rest of Jesus' followers were, and they said, "He's, he's alive. And we just had this most incredible Bible study with him. God's plan. You know, so often I think we look at God's plan and we say how how why could God require that? Why couldn't God just say it's okay. We'll let it go. It's not that big a deal. The wages of sin is death because of our sin we're separated from god we're a people that and you know you read the news and we see that and and some of you here this morning are here this morning separated from god you don't know god you're separated from him and and maybe in your mind the question is how is it even possible to have a relationship with god i mean with the holy god of the universe him knowing who i am and what i'm what i've done how is it even possible for me To have a relationship with him. To be in the presence of a holy God. I've done too much. There's no way I can be forgiven. But that's what the Easter story is about. The Easter story is about the incredible news that God's plan was to crush Jesus. Him to identify with God. Us in our sinfulness and brokenness so that as the righteous son of God he could become the sacrifice for our unrighteousness the payment and that's why God spirit became flesh so that he could die so that he could pay the penalty of our sin and we could be right with God and then rise from the dead so As a living Savior, we can live forever with him. God's plan is a victorious people delivered by and identified with our Messiah. Just as I close this morning, I want to ask, are are you such a person this morning? Uh, Are you living are we living in light of these incredible truths? Or are they just kind of information that we read about? Do we, do we understand? Are you living in light of these incredible truths? Or are you living in lies that have been whispered into your ear over the years? Um, it's the way it will always be. You'll never change. You'll never amount to anything. You're stuck. You're a mess up. You're a, and you can put whatever you want in that phrase. You're a, whatever that label is that you've been labeled with all of your life. I'm Dave. I'm a. What is that label that you've been labeled with to where you think that's all I'll ever be? A screw up, a mess up, a. You know, the incredible news about the crushing and the honoring of the Messiah, Jesus, is that we don't have to be those labels. Right. We don't have to be what people have called us to be or, or, or what we have be, done ourselves. We don't have to be that. Because the crushing and the honoring of the Messiah was to build a family those descendants, those people of the Messiah, Jesus' people, his brothers and sisters who together with him because their sins are paid for and the the power of death is broken can live forever with him. Listen to these scriptures as I end. Romans 6.11 says... In light of what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection, you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Romans 7, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death and brokenness and whatever, put the label there. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, thank God he gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's just simply what I offer us again this morning, whether it's for the first time or the 50th time, it's the Messiah Jesus because he was crushed. But then his sacrifice was accepted and he came to life. He exists. He lives to deliver to heal, to forgive, to save, to make us his brothers and sisters, his family. It's why he exists. Listen to this story that somebody shared with me just a couple of days ago. I was filling in at the Paul's Bowl Coffee Oasis a few times this week. On Thursday, a man who looked to be about 40 to 50 came in. I greeted him and he nodded his head and he went straight to the donation jar and plopped a $10 bill in. That's nice. I said, can I get you anything? And he said no and began to walk away. I called out, okay, thanks for giving. And he stopped and turned back around and just let tears roll down his cheek. He said, I want to tell you a story. And so he did. Thank you so much for all that you do. Coffee Oasis saved my son's life. You saved his life. My son was addicted to cocaine for five years, shooting up at every chance he had. I was at a loss. I couldn't help or do anything. You guys changed that, and you changed his life. He is now a believer and is going to a Christian program down in California. That wouldn't have been possible without you all. What you guys do is so important. You're giving our children, our friends, and our family a future. You're helping them and investing in them, and that is huge. I don't have much to give. I don't have much I can spare, but what I do have will always come back to you guys. And, dear people this morning, that's because of the hope we have in the death and resurrection of Jesus. It doesn't matter... Whether you're here this morning and you feel like you got it all together, you don't. <laughs> or whether you don't have anything figured out. You know, whether you're here this morning and you're, you're struggling with addictions, you're a drug addict, or whether you're a prostitute or a pimp. It doesn't matter whether you're a self-righteous church person. It doesn't matter whether you follow the law or you're a lawbreaker, whether you think you're worthless or that the world revolves around you. The hope of Easter is that in the crushing and the honoring of the Messiah, we can be a people forgiven and free who can live with his victory. in Jesus. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that these words that I've shared, Father, that your Holy Spirit would would take them and you know what's going on in the heads and the hearts of everyone here. Father, I don't. But I pray that you would take these words, these truths, these, this amazing plan of what Jesus did accomplish for us. And, Father, you would speak it to our hearts and to our minds. And you would make each one of us here, Father, a part of your family open our eyes to see Jesus in a way that we've never seen him before. Our Savior, our Messiah, our Deliverer. Amen.